The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Welcome back to the other wrestling show. It's it's been a minute. It's been it's been a, a it's month. Been a minute. Yes. Uh, the real world just kind of decided to fuck with us for the last few weeks. So, but Joel, we're back and uh, pretty pretty boring week of wrestling, right? Like nothing. The standard. I don't think there's really much of anything to talk about. It's not like there was a spectacular pay-per-view which had its results almost immediately invalidated by backstage drama. Um, and then, you know, a, a rock-solid comebacker of an episode of, of Dynamite. And that's what we're going to talk about because I feel yeah. like at this point everybody's done their emergency pods, their reactions. If you were waiting to hear what we have to think about the backstage uh shenanigans at AEW. Uh I pity you. Um because you're not gonna get that. We're not we're not gonna talk about it. Um, fuck them all. But yes, let's move on. I mean I, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some things that come up as as we discuss AEW moving mm-hmm. forward and and all that, but we're not gonna do like a, a deep dive on to like I feel like it was only a few hours ago that before Dynamite that we actually got like a, a pretty decent picture of what actually yeah happened and it's still like i feel like the the elite's perspective is out there and cm punk's perspective has not really come out yet and well sean so ross has still CM a- punk's perspective out there so if you want like fightful okay has some really good information but it's like the truth is probably in the middle and honestly it's it's over it's done with it sucked like it sucked having it be as fans go through this after what was a really great pay-per-view like we were yeah. texting after all out, like, wow, f- top to bottom. That was really good. Really, like, great matches. I think the, we were all happy with the results of where they were going in terms of winners and losers. And just, yeah, it's just a bummer for that to just be all kind of second, you know, second fiddle to some drama backstage. So, yeah, let's not go into a Joel, but why don't we just go straight into a stock up, stock down? Stock up, stock down. So I was waiting for a confirmation there. But yes, Joel, we are back. Let's talk about some positive stuff in wrestling. It's been a very negative week. We are hashtag happy wrestling for a reason. And Joel, I can't think of a better way to bring MJF back on Sunday. I I texted you, what the fuck, with the <laughs> the, the ladder match ending. And you were just like, oh, well, just just wait, just wait. So thank you for keeping a level head because it, it delivered. What I told you is it's art. (laughs) Art. What I told you in the moment was (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. This is art. (laughs) Well, The reason I was with the fucking is because apparently all out is the pay-per-view. I bring friends who don't watch all the time or ever to. So my buddy Scott came with me and like, I was like, Oh yeah, the ladder matches first. This match is going to be awesome. And then it was super fast. And like, for someone who doesn't watch wrestling, he was like, what, what, what is that it? Oh, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know, man. So we'll see. But uh, Joel, I thought the voicemail was a great touch from Tony Khan um, saying, hey, we want you back. This is your last final offer. You're not going to get something better than this. Um, the like reveal with the like dark room and him throwing the scarf. 
the biggest pop for a scarf ever. Like it just <laughs> everything about it like worked. It was so good. Um, what what do you think of this MJF back? The storyline and and everything. I thought everything they did at the pay per view was really great. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, I like um, I, I like the way they started off the show and the the bait and switch of you know. MJF doing his typical pretending to be a good guy thing. And mm. he kept it up, I think, longer than usual yep. Yep. and and didn't turn on the fans until after he was confronted. <laughs> it, it made it seem like had he not been confronted that he would have just let things lie. And mm-hmm. it was like the audacity of Moxley to be like, you're full of shit. And he was like, you're right. You're damn right. I'm full of shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it was great. And um, yeah, I, I, we figured this this was a work, you know, but it's one of those things where you, you, there was just that little doubt in the back of your mind, like maybe he really is done and maybe we won't see him again. And um, I thought this was perfect. And it, it worked well having him with the mask on because I think might have been you or some one of my other buddies I was texting beforehand saying, hey, is MJF the the uh, the Joker here? And it wouldn't I don't think it would have hit as hard if MJF was just MJF in the ladder match like. Yeah. Him winning and then the reveal to CM Punk, which that won't happen anymore. But because of the history between them, the stories that they told together, like it worked for what they were trying to set up. And I thought it was great. And I'm happy he's back because MJF is incredible on the mic. He's an incredible worker. And I like that he's not in the title picture right now. You know, they have, they have to crown a new champion. And something that stuck out to me is like, I have a title match anywhere I want, anytime I want. Like, I wonder if they do a little, you know, kind of uh, money in the bank with this, with this, you know, title opportunity that he has. Maybe he can just say, I want it now. I want it after, you know, the main event of Grand Slam or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I For where we were like three, four days ago, like, it's been a wild ride, but yeah, I, I'm really happy with the MJF reemergence in AEW. Well, and I think, you know, there's a distinct possibility that like this wasn't a work, you know, and that MJF was in negotiations and that it took a while for them to come to mm-hmm. a mutual agreement. And then once they agreed on something, it's like, okay, well, we need to wait for a logical time yeah, to reinsert you into tv so that it's not wasted and so you know i i don't think that him being back is a sign that everything was fine the whole time i don't think that's the case Mm -hmm. um if it is then like holy shit commitment to the bit you deserve it (laughs) like i'm i'm perfectly happy if i'm getting worked it's fine i've said many times on this podcast like i want to get worked yeah like that's the fucking point it's it's exactly. not fun to to see behind the curtain and to to you know see all the the machinations of what's going on. It's kind of fun to find out about that stuff twenty years after the fact. But yeah. I don't want to know that in real time. In real time, I want to experience the product as I'm meant to experience it from the people doing the creative design. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, I feel like the to last me, that's five, more fun. I feel like the last five days were a a great great argument for the kayfabe only lifestyle oh my gosh (laughs) i I, so many times i was like i wish i was not on twitter Twitter, like 
you know, if, if I wasn't and and nobody told me about this, right, which you're pretty much the only person who would. Yeah. Um, then I would have just been riding high off of a great pay-per-view for a few days and then gotten that announcement and be like, huh, something must have happened. And then been like, okay, cool. Let me settle in for another great episode <laughs> of Dynamite. And there wouldn't be this kind of cloud in the background yeah. of wondering when are we going to see Kenny and the Bucks again? Um, Cause that's the big question for me. Like, yeah, at, at this point, like solely based off of the post event press conference, oh, right. And, and setting an aside, imp- setting aside the actual like backstage fight, fuck CM Punk after that. Like, well, for honestly, real. Honestly, that is, that's one of the most unprofessional things I have ever seen. And and that's my thing. It's like, yeah, the fight, it shouldn't have happened. But the big thing, and this is like where I stand is you, you under <laughs> CM Punk under un, undermined it. Am I saying that right? Undermined. Undermined. Undermined uh AEW as a whole. Uh Tony Khan. Did you see the like faces Tony Khan was making during that press conference? Like mm-hmm. um other wrestlers on the show, you know, like just the whole just just the integrity of everything. He was just throwing under the bus. And I think that's a bigger deal. It's like in sports, you don't want your like quarterback or star wide receiver undermining the coach in his press conference, you know, like you don't want like, well, I don't think we should have gone for that on fourth down. Like it's just bad. And like save that for the team meeting, save that for the internal discussions. And it was just a bad look. And it just felt like that everything else from that press conference was a disaster because of that. And then obviously the fight and everything backstage. So yeah, uh, Joel, you were, you weren't watching when CM Punk left uh, WWE um, so many years ago, but it was a lot of the similar, like same things, like just a lot of just a lot of bad news, bad vibes coming out from the dirt sheets with WWE. And I remembered like me and my friends saying like, you know what? Kind of fuck them. Like we're three, four weeks from mania and you're just going to bounce like screw you. So it's, yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I feel like if he was fired or released, like released, we would have heard by now. So it seems like he's still on the cards for the future, along with everyone else involved. Maybe not Ace Steel, because it's Ace fucking Steel. Um, so, but you know what? That's a question we have to worry about for another day. But something I want to talk about here, kind of related to MJF and then kind of related to, um, you know, Moxley was how they started the show today. You know, they had the MJF return video, they had the, the announcement from Tony Khan of what's happening. He didn't reference any of them by name. You know, I thought it was good. Like, this is what happened. And this is how we're moving forward. And they didn't reference that really the rest of the night. Maybe, you know, I think there was some stuff in maybe the Moxie promo and the yeah, MJF promo. Him saying he was supposed to be on vacation right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Which was funny as hell. You but motherfuckers I talk, fucked up my PTO. <laughs> I want to talk about that uh, MJF Moxley exchange with him kind of MJF talking about like, you know what? Also, <laughs> ballsy to still have him say, I'm going to leave for WWE in 2024. During this week, <laughs> like I, f- I feel like I don't know. Maybe save that bit for a few weeks from now, where AEW didn't have its worst PR week ever. Um, but I really like that Moxley promo, um, talking about like what it means to be champion and the importance of being a champion and the responsibilities that come with that. And you said it, you know, texting earlier. Like he's their rock. He they can't lose Moxley right now. Like we always talk about who, if they left AEW, would it like 
affect the company the most. And yeah, I think we're both in agreement right now that Moxley is that guy and he is such a stable, consistent professional um, that you need at the top of the card. And even if he doesn't make it to the finals of this championship tournament, he is going to be at the top of the card competing for the title or other major storylines going forward. And I think AEW is lucky to have him. Imagine if they didn't have John Moxley right now. Yeah, I mean, it, I definitely wouldn't have the same level of confidence, that's for sure. I'm, I'm going to take a slightly different tack on the whole MJF referencing leaving the company thing. Um, I think it was good, and I think it was necessary. Uh, because there is the the temptation to, in the wake of some of our, our heroes letting us down, to want to embrace someone that you know we know they have this tremendous ability both in the ring and on the mic and he needs to be a villain and what's the the way to put himself firmly in that spot where he's not a tweener you don't have people pulling for the cool heel no like i am going to crush your dreams i am letting you know i am just here for the money screw all of you people and um, by the way, I took a shit in your cornflakes. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's exactly what he needed to do. And then you mm-hmm. have Moxley coming out to provide the counterpoint and be the paragon of everything that we love and care about in professional wrestling. Like the the passion, the dedication to the craft, the desire to just go out and put on great matches and tell great stories. And that being what Moxley is all about. And yeah, sure, he's well compensated. I'm, I'm certain of that. But mm-hmm. that's not the point. And unlike a lot of other professional wrestlers who have made that a part of their characters, like I'm a prize fighter, I'm in it for the money, whatever. That's not what Moxley's about. He's in it for the blood and the sweat and biting people. Um, <laughs> just, you know, biting people in the ring, not backstage. Uh, <laughs> thought we were going to reference it anymore joel <laughs> i said we were going to talk about it i didn't say we were going to uh, gotcha, gotcha. yeah um yeah so i lost my train of thought but yeah great points there joel um and, and you know sometimes when you come back from an injury or you come back from a long absence you automatically become a baby face for a few months few weeks right um it is like it, it is important for mjf to be a bad guy because he is not a good guy you know, he is not someone that, you know, we, we boo him out of respect for his heel work, but we don't like he's not a good guy. <laughs> if he gets cheered anywhere other than Long Island, it feels icky. Yeah. Yeah. And n- great way to piss off Buffalo by shitting on Josh Allen. <laughs> like the easiest way to do it, because that town has Josh Allen and Buffalo wings. That's it. Um, so, yeah, let's let's kind of talk about this tournament here. And we had our first matchup of this tournament tonight, Joel. Uh Hangman Page and Brian Danielson just delivering another classic. This match was excellent. Just excellent. The only thing wrong with this match is is who won it. And I'm contractually obligated to say that. So, <laughs> Well, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I think my choice to win this whole thing is Danielson. Um, Danielson sorry, or Moxley. Know. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think we keep it with the BCC. But I think, the time, I think it's a good time for it to be Danielson. I agree with that. Yeah, and also like if you look at Danielson's run, he had the amazing hour marathon match. You know, he faced Omega, he faced Hangman Page. Then he was out with his injury. He hasn't really had like 
a signature win. Like that's true. He lost to Garcia. He lost lost to Garcia. He lost to Jericho. Um, and I read this, uh, this Reddit post over the weekend that basically like as selfish as CM Punk has appeared to be Danielson is like the opposite in terms of how like willing he is to put other guys over and maybe he needs to be a little selfish sometimes. Um, and so I think like if to get him his kind of esteem back and also like you can't have Danielson spend time with your company and not hold a belt at some point. It's Brian Danielson. Yeah, like, like he's hall of famer and imagine the main event of, um, uh, grand slam. If it's John Moxley versus Brian Danielson for the AW world championship, like, we loved their match from revolution this year. Like yeah. bring it back and they're stable mates. So, you know, it's going to be one of those like, Hey, we're going to beat the shit out of each other. And we're still going to be friends afterwards. Like, you know, it's, it's easy, easy story, easy match. And then, you know, maybe have MJF come out in a few, you know, few weeks after that. And we get a story that eventually gets MJF to championship. But um, yeah, I think either of those two, even like, and, Maybe it's just the chaos from the weekend, but like I'm really appreciating Jericho right now, and I don't know why because like we have made it a routine here to kind of hate on Jericho, but I thought the story with Danielson's been really good, and the story with Garcia is elevating him even further. Um, and I feel like yeah, we need like some stability right now, and I think Jericho can provide that. I think we're really fair when it comes to Jericho. We heap praise on Jericho when he's doing good stuff. Uh, and we call it out when he's shitty and it, it's been a mix of both. But I mean, I think that's going to be the case when you're talking about a talent who is constantly changing and evolving and repackaging themselves. This current iteration of Jericho, I love. Oh, I yeah. really Lionheart enjoy the, the throwback to Lionheart and but still living within this persona of. I'm a sports entertainer. I'm a sports entertainer. And this whole story with him and Danielson and Garcia has been really compelling and it's not over. I think, you know, we haven't talked about the main event. Maybe we're going to talk about it in more detail later. Um, But with this being such a big win for Daniel Garcia, getting his first title in AEW and having that moment, with Danielson in the ring and then Jericho just coming out and closing the show by being like, what the fuck dude. But there wasn't like a big (laughs) promo or talkie segment. Mm -hmm. Like I love an ending of a show like that where it just goes off the air with the two of them shaking hands in the ring and Jericho on the ramp looking bewildered. Like that is just chef's kiss for me on that. And I'm really loving what he's been doing recently. And because of the tournament, we are getting Jericho Danielson too next week. So added intrigue with everything that went down this week. So yeah, so yeah, this this this. Let's move on to the main event then, because just give Will Yuta and Daniel Garcia like all the time ever, like <laughs> wrestle every single week. Because I'm pretty sure it would be a completely unique and amazing match every single time. Like they've wrestled what twice now in the last they, they wrestled at Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, then tonight, right? Am I well, and then one? they also on the Indies they had their sixty minute um, match, five star, yeah. 
So yeah, these guys are incredible. Um, they could clearly do without... have great chemistry. Yeah, and it kind of felt like this was it was very similar to when um, they kind of like initiated uh, Will Yuta into the Combat Club. You know, like they all got in the ring, they shook his hands. You know, I know when he won the Pure Title, they put him on him, put it on him as well. Um, so Danielson coming out and putting the title on Garcia, like, is that saying, Hey, we accept you? Or is he part of the BCC or is Danielson like his new sensei? Like there's just, you always say, leave, leave it, leave the show with a question. And they gave us a lot of questions for next week. Well, William Regal has not slapped the shit out of him. So he's not in the Blackpool <laughs> combat club yet. Sorry. I forgot. That's the final, final step of initiation is to have Regal slap the shit out of you. Which always looks like it hurts. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I can't yeah. imagine that it doesn't. Also, did you find it funny that they had to do an ad read for battle bots when they're literally on their knees slapping each other in the face? And Regal, I think, said something like, why are we talking about fake fighting? We have two people fighting in the ring right now. I'm like, this is also fake fighting. <laughs> Which is funny because actually BattleBots is is real. <laughs> I know. Like it's more real than wrestling. <laughs> it, it, just, it makes me think of the, the Futurama episode with the ultimate robot fighting. Yep. And Fry is like, man, I thought this was real, but like professional wrestling. It turns out it's fake, like boxing. <laughs> I need to watch that show again. I love that show. Um, yeah. Any, anything else about this? Oh, I really liked because um, I, I saw their match at Death Before Dishonor in person. So like I didn't. And there was an issue with uh, Bleach Reports. I wasn't able to watch it again. But I thought commentary did a good job of kind of explaining the pure stipulations. Like Wheeler Yuta got frustrated and like just cold clocked him with a closed fists. It's like, oh, yep. You can't do that again. Or when mm-hmm. they like made a point when he had his, oh, he still has three rope breaks in his back pocket yep. that he can use. Like, I thought they did a really good job of, you know, for the audience at home. And it sounded like they announced things, too, in the arena. I don't recall them doing that at Death Before Dishonor. So maybe that was some feedback they took because it sounded like they had, like, someone on the PA mic saying, hey, Wheeler Yuta had got a warning for using a closed fist, you know, so. They did that at Death Before Dishonor. Did they? I don't um, remember yeah, that. Yeah, anytime there was a violation of the rules. Okay. Uh, that's that's traditional in pure rules matches, so. Uh, I feel like it could be some sort of visual thing, like, on the screen they could use. Like, each wrestler's name, like, on the bottom with, like, you know how they have to do timeouts in football? Like, rope break, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen that done before, and it's not as good as you want it to be. No? No. Mm. No, um, I think one of the Terminus shows, they did that, and it just was kind of awkward. Well, Um, I think AEW has a little more budget for graphics than Terminus. Well, yeah, but it's just having something (laughs) on the screen like that, it's distracting. Uh, And I I don't know, I'm not sure. Also, I, I think there is utility in having the audience forget and then being able to have the announcers tell that story when something happens, like not realizing that, oh, so-and-so only has one rope break left, and then that's something for the commentators to talk about. So I think there's some utility there to having it be something that the audience can be immersed in the match and forget that that's a thing going on. I'm I'm, I'm interested when Ring of Honor gets its full-time show, whenever that is, because we only get these pure matches every once in a while, and I think being able to see you know these done on a little more frequent basis uh, could help with some of that stuff, so... 
Yeah, it's a shame that that the things didn't work out with Jonathan Gresham because he, from a psychology perspective, like does pure rules better than anyone else I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, this match to me, like, yeah, it was technically under pure rules. They did kind of factor that in, but for the most part, it just felt like a match. Yeah, like it didn't to me have a a different flavor in the way that pure rules matches that I've watched before have a different flavor. And that's something I really, really like. So I was looking for that and it didn't really deliver on that level, but it was such a good match that I didn't really care. Uh, At one point I was like, wait a second, shouldn't they be wrestling under pure rules? And then they got into all the (laughs) like, Oh yes, three rope breaks left. I was like, Oh, I guess they are doing pure rules. It just didn't really feel like it from the way the match was being worked. Did, did, we ever get confirmation that they released him from his contract? I don't think I, we ever got like a thumbs yeah, up know. that he maybe maybe they're saying, "Hey, spend a little time away. We'll we'll talk in a few months." Maybe you know. Honestly, that's why I feel like the suspensions really are. It's like, hey, just go away for a few weeks, calm down, let the tensions you know dissipate, and then we can figure out how to make this work going forward. So. Anything else before we move on to a, a lightning round? I think we covered everything we wanted to do in Stock Up, Stock Down. Yeah, man. Ah, the buttons are all different. <laughs> lightning round. You texted me during the show how, like, you just reminded how good Tony Storm is. She looks good with the belt. It looks natural. Uh, I'm pretty sure if Thunder Rosa didn't get hurt, this was going to be the result anyway was Tony Storm being our women's champion. Agreed. And I really enjoyed this match with Penelope Ford. And yeah, I'm excited to see more Tony Storm, you know, defending this belt. Yeah, the the moment that really struck me was when she hit that front drop kick and it just looked so damn good. And she's just head and shoulders above most of this division. And mm-hmm. it, it's really nice to see her finally on top you know i missed her championship run i think in nxt uk she was champion i don't know if she was ever nxt champion or not um but i definitely wasn't watching then if she was yeah Um, so I, i feel like i missed out on on getting to see her you know have a championship run because of when i stopped watching the other wrestling company so it's it's really great having her in this spot, and uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. I was going to talk about this match as well, so I'll talk about uh, Penelope Ford, someone else who it's great to see uh, back on TV. And uh, my favorite thing was that Kip came out with her as her, you know, manager, valet, whatever you want to call it, wearing the cardboard box. <laughs> I love that the cardboard box is not going away. So um, I'm happy about that. I know hindsight, you know, is 2020. I really wish Kip won that match yeah, on Zero agreed. Hour because now Death Triangle has the trios belt. Like, they're going to be occupied with that. And honestly, like, they probably need uh, Pac to be here more because he's now the trios champion. So, like, him defending that belt all over, like, Europe and indie shows, like, doesn't really make sense now. So, yeah, I really wish Kip won that. I thought that would have been a well, cool it's belt. It's not going to matter because Orange Cassidy is going to take it off him. So, yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, I wanted the best friends to win that trios match so fucking badly. Me too. Like, for a couple of reasons. A, they've been there since day one. 
They've never held gold. They've had a lot of starts and goes, you know, like their peak was probably that parking, uh, parking lot brawl with Satana Ortiz. Man, that um, match was so good. Oh, so I need to rewatch that. I, I might go back on the DVR and watch that. Um, Cassidy's been, you know, he's had moments where you're like, oh, wow, he's one of their top stars. And then he's like, okay, now he's not doing anything for two or three months. And I feel like the trios belt is fine for a comedy act to hold the titles because I don't feel like the stories are getting super deep, you know, like it's not going to be these like blood feuds for the trios titles at first. I feel like you can have a comedy team hold it. Um, they're all great workers, but you know, can't, I guess you couldn't really go wrong with either teams. Um, cause death triangle is also very worthy of holding these belts and, uh, defending them. You know, I feel like they're going to be, I feel like this is going to be a big staple of like rampage, the trios division. Like that feels like a really good, Hey, this is Friday night, super high actions, like ton of, you know, flippy do's and stuff. So, um, what'd you think of this? Yeah, it was a really fun match. I was really hoping the best friends were going to win. Um, I can't argue, though, you know, the the Lucha Bros have also been around from the beginning. Pac's been around Mm -hmm. from the beginning, although, you know, he hasn't been around as consistently as a lot of the other talent because, you know, he's not based in the United States and travel has been challenging. But I I can't complain. And it was nice to see the Lucha Bros with gold again. Uh, And I'm just looking forward to seeing more really good trios matches. I love a good trios match and the non-title trios matches that we've gotten in AEW have been really, really fun. So adding a belt into the equation, lending a little bit more weight to some of these matches can only be a good thing. Mm -hmm. I also think it's the best chance for sting to hold, uh, gold in AEW because I feel like if you put him on a trios team, yeah. And I feel like we need sting to win a belt though. It's not like when they had Bret Hart come back and won the United States Championship when he couldn't walk. Like, I feel like Sting can actually, like, even if it's for a short stint of them as the trios champion, like a transitional champion, I think I, I think I'd be cool with Sting having that belt. The other ones I couldn't, like, I couldn't see Sting be world champion, TNT champion, uh, you know, All Atlantic champion, like even tag team champion, because this one seems like it's something that he could be a part of, and it wouldn't feel cheap. Eh, perhaps. <laughs> um, yo, let's talk about the acclaimed. Indeed, every- I-, I hear they've arrived. They've arrived, and did you know everybody loves them? <laughs> I've loved the acclaimed since day <laughs> fucking one. So uh, yet another act that I bought stock in at low, low prices. <laughs> you make it like make it like oh, I bought low. I'm like yeah, they they bought them when they were new. It's not like you bought like. You know, CM Punk are you trying to say their value has not gone up? No, their since value they debuted. Got, no, but it makes it sound so like that we would like, say like, that like, I bought the stock at low prices, wouldn't no, we? You make it seem like oh, it was such a steal. No one knew. Like the acclaims were pretty much like recognized. Oh, this is a really fun act. Like right off the bat, <laughs> like like they had supporters. But anywho, I, yes, Joel, you love the acclaim. Scissor me, Daddy Joel. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, pat yourself on the back a little harder. The mic didn't pick it up. <laughs> oh, just... There we go. Um, this match was incredible. I think this was the match of the night um, at the pay-per-view. And Agreed. man, that crowd 
did not want Swerve in our glory to win <laughs> at all. I think I think winning that match turned them heel. <laughs> like- yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like in the the media scrum from hell, uh, they were talking about like Tony Khan's like, well, I think they might deserve a rematch in a few weeks. And Keith was like, yeah, that'd be you know, I could see that happening. And Swerve's like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, no, they don't deserve another match. And I loved, I loved, because we were all anticipating what's Caster gonna say tonight of all weeks, and mm-hmm. you want heel heat. You stopped that from happening, which Swerve did. <laughs> like, yep. So, yeah, it, it was a it's not a double turn because obviously the acclaimed were also faces. But, man, you don't see in just like th- through the duration of one match, like a team basically being forced to be heels. And they worked that match like heels. Like, I don't know if it was planned from the start. You know, maybe it was a little like Hogan Rock at WrestleMania where they kind of had to switch roles on the fly. But like Swerve and Our Glory definitely worked that match like they were not the baby faces. Well, so uh, Swerve is always kind of working a heelish style, mm-hmm. even if he's positioned as a baby face. And then Keith Lee, because of his physical stature, it's very easy for his power moves and big strikes mm-hmm. to turn into a heelish presentation especially if you've got the crowd already pushing things in that direction like i don't think keith lee really worked differently from how he normally works i don't think swerve worked differently from now how he normally works i think it was the atmosphere and the context that made it seem you know more heelish because swerve is always kind of a little bit of a dirty fighter and that's one of the things that you love about him is he's cheeky and he he does all these dastardly things and bending the rules and all that um he's very much about what he can get away with in terms of of the style at least of the matches that i've seen him wrestle Mm -hmm. also uh if they drop the belts to the acclaimed at grand slam which man that feels like that's the likely course um with the suspensions we have right now, like you can very easily see uh, Keith Lee and or Swerve involved in top of the card stories. You know, we both know they're that good. They're that talented. Like Danielson wins, wins it. And his first title match, like Danielson Swerve Strickland. Fuck. Like that would be amazing. Or even like with Keith Lee, like there's so much that they could do. And I think there there's opportunities with, the guy is suspended right now. Like that's a lot of top end talent, not Mm -hmm. on dynamite. So, and I think this, yeah, I I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about like, this is a great time to focus on your day one people and like giving some opportunities to people who have been in the company, who have that loyalty, who, you know, are going to represent you well. And I, I think that instinct is is correct as well you know yeah there's a lot of new matchups and new opportunities there's room that's been cleared at the top um but i i'd like to see someone like private party get some of that time because they were really prominent and really popular for a while and it it doesn't feel like they've had a fair shake in recent months and uh, they've been a butt of a lot of jokes and not really had any big wins and you know there are other examples of folks within the company who have been around for a long time who deserve more of a spotlight. Give me Brian Danielson and Sonny Kiss. 
and and <laughs> I mean, I I'm love serious. I I'm love serious. Kiss that would too, be a hell man, of a match. But man, I, I I think I think Sunny Kiss getting a prominent role is that, I know that probably not going to happen. Might not happen. Um, I think what can happen though with the trios division being a thing now. Look at all the trios teams that we basically lost in the last few weeks because. We were talking when the tournament started. Oh, there's so many teams. There's so many possibilities. Well, we lost the elite. We lost the undisputed elite. We lost the House of Black and um, the CMFTR trio that we thought we were getting. That's no longer in play. So the trios division is a little weaker right now than it was before. So who's um, who's Sunny Kiss with now? Is uh, the Trustbusters? Yes. You know what? Get some Trustbusters on Rampage. Get some Trustbusters on Dynamite um private party that's what i love about the trios division that third member doesn't necessarily have to be part of your group it can be like it can be a team like a team of uh just mutual uh benefit like find a a veteran who wants to win the trios belt and have him recruit private party like private party is perfect for this division with the way they work and the style that they have like it'd be seamless so um yeah and when it comes to like the day one guys, like, yes, I want to see a lot of the day one guys, you know, thrive. That's why I wanted like um, the best friends and Orange Cassidy to win. But um, I think this is just a good time. Like, shake it up. You know, we got through the injuries and we thought we were coming back to, you know, what Tony Khan had planned. But, you know, like three, four months ago, did we think the acclaimed would be at the pot spot where we like, oh, they can actually take these belts and they're legitimate. Um you know, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, we were wondering what they were doing. Like, they're both bigger than they were when they got here in terms of their level on the card. So, yeah, it, let's t- take the shit show, the negativity, and like, let's spin it. And, like, we have a what should be a really fun couple weeks of AEW coming up with um, the Arthur Ashe shows. And I think there's about the belt scheduled for October. Um, you know, so, like, yeah, there's a lot of good things to look, good, look, things to look forward to. Indeed. Man, what else is there to talk about? The, a lot from the uh, the pay per view that we didn't talk about. Um, I just love Wardlow power bombing people, <laughs> <laughs> and I can I liked it like his promo tonight. He's like, "Hey, by the way, I'm still here," and he's someone that probably should be focused more. Like for being the TNT champion, we haven't like he was involved in that weird storyline with Jay Lethal and FTR and things, and you know, like. Give me 20 minutes for a TNT open challenge every week from here until like full gear. Cause I want to see Wardlow also face like someone where it's not like a, a squash, which a yeah. lot of his title defenses have been, Hey, it's a few minutes of offense and then powerbomb symphony and it's over. Like we need him to like, we need to see him do more and we need to see him work with people where the matches are a little more competitive and more balanced. So if his run yeah, can be similar I, I, to Jade Cargill's, then I think we'll be in good shape because her her title reign has gotten progressively. The matches have gotten more and more competitive and a little mm-hmm. more offense against her. So, although that match at the pay per view with Athena that should have been at least five minutes longer. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Yeah, that was really weird. They they built up that match so for much months. For months. waiting on it for a while and then we finally get it and it it was a typical jade cargill match which i enjoy but this was supposed to be more than that and uh i yeah, still didn't think quite he's probably a little little green in the ring 
no pun intended with her ring gear from Sunday. I still think that, you know, working longer matches, it's, it's, you have, it takes time, you know, and she but hasn't been doing this longer matches long. than that. Like, yeah, but this was not the most competitive match that she's had. And, and that was, I think the thing that was most surprising because it felt like this should have been like, if she didn't lose in this match, at least should have been the the longest and most competitive match she's had thus far. Also, the, the, this undefeated streaks can get harder and harder break the longer and longer it goes. Like, oh, who, who, who's a like a threat to beat her? Like on the type of like people she's been facing. You know, like she actually hasn't been facing Britt Baker or Tony Storm or Hikaru Shida. Like, and I don't feel like there's like you know that young star in the wing. Like maybe. Like if I'm fantasy booking this and like I want to pick someone up and coming, like maybe Jamie Hayter could be a good candidate to take that and hold that belt. That's kind of a name that I've had in my head. Something that I think we've seen before in in pro wrestling is that when a champ becomes this dominant, you start throwing things at them. Like, okay, now you're going to have to defend in a triple threat. Now you're going to have to defend under these circumstances. And I think that's a good way to kind of introduce a little bit more intrigue and also can help to hide a greener talent because they don't have to be involved in every spot in the match. And uh, I I think that might be an an interesting direction to go down if we wanted to make things a little bit more fresh. I still think Jade Cargill is one of the biggest stars in the company and has more potential than just about anybody else on the roster. Um, well, I, I saw a good tweet the other day that basically, like, yeah, my my issues with the women's division, I, I, I just think that Jade Cargill deserves, like, should be your champion, not your TBS champion. Like, she is yeah, the biggest I mean, there is that. women's star right now. And, like, I legit, like, could see her holding that. I, I always try to envision the person holding the belt and, like, does it make sense? Does it look right? That, like, her holding the AEW Women's Championship makes sense and it would feel right. And, like, that's what it's building to. Like, what's that? Like, that's the point. Like, you're building Jade up to eventually be your women's champion. Um, and I just don't know how. I don't know how you drop the. Maybe a multi-person match is the way to drop the belt off of her because she cannot get pinned, and she can be protected from. Well, I never got pins and lost my belt. I lost my belt because someone else pins. You know, Ruby Soho. You know, so I, there's a way to do it. Um, speaking of the women's division, I really like the Jamie Hader little video. We had of mm-hmm. her like leaving all out and Britt Baker like apologizing, saying I'm sorry and telling the camera to get out of the face. This one's been teased for a long time. Yep. And we always talk like the health of the women's division is when you have multiple stories not involving a belt. Yep. And this is one that they need. They need to make a priority. And if that's not a full gear match, then I'm going to be pretty disappointed or an author ash match. But that seems a little quick. Yeah, I, I think holding off a little bit longer might be a good thing here. Maybe Battle of the Belts. That could be a good spot for it. Although at least have no, the blow up at Battle of the Belts. <laughs> or maybe the Rampage before, because usually they put some big That's matches big on show, the Rampage yeah. before a Battle of the Belts. And it's funny, it, it, in my estimation, the matches on the Rampage the night before have been consistently better than the matches on yeah, Battle, Battle of the Belts. Yep, I've it's kind of funny because I usually watch them in sequence because I don't watch them live mm-hmm. and I'll watch Rampage and be like, man, this is really Great good. Show. And then watch Battle of the Belts. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. OK, that's fine. yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's just like, yeah, I've, I've noticed that, too. So, 
yeah, but I, yeah, I really want to see this hater Britt Baker story. Um, and I feel like a fun element to add to that could be, um, her Kawashita. Cause I really liked her saying like before the paper, you was like, I want to make Britt Baker lose for the rest of my career. And <laughs> like, I just love that. And I just love that they have that rivalry. So like, like, and this is a way to get Sheeta because most of her stories have been about the belt or about trying to get the belt. And I feel like input, you know, inserting Sheeta into this storyline is like, hey, you know, Jamie, she treats you like shit, <laughs> like, like hurt Baker more than, you know, just hitting her with a kendo stick. So, yep. Anything else to say before we, we get out of here? It's a late one. It's almost 11 o'clock. It's a, we're a little rusty, I think. Not rusty. That, that actually felt like a good show, but I think our endurance is down. <laughs> yeah, my happy ass has to be up at 530. So, yeah, that's I, I got to go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well. Joel was glad to be back. Streak, Indeed. streak started, which is going to end. One show is one show a streak. One show. It's the start of the streak, but I'm going to be in a conference in two weeks, so it's going to end at two. <laughs> uh, we got to get to two before two. it can end at two. Yeah, get to two. Um, no, I feel confident. I feel confident. But yeah, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Other Wrestling Show. Twitter at O R O. I'm Rusty. The other wrestling show on Twitter as well. Find it. It will be there. Um, you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts, we're there. And Joel, um, anything to say before we go to sleep? I mean, it's not a good time, but join the Dark Order anyway. Join the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.